You are listening to Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Thanks to Raya Eyewear for sponsoring this episode of Holding Court. I've been wearing Raya since last year. During the pandemic, I started teaching more lessons than ever before, especially outside. Raya are by far the best sunglasses for tennis I've ever used. Check them out at RayaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. And use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. They are total game changers. All right, everyone, this edition of Holding Court, we're going to talk about uh, the French Open, about Roland Garros, but isn't, isn't it amazing how the two biggest stories of the tournament so far are not really what's happened on the court. It's more what's happened off the court. Of course, the Naomi Osaka issue initially in week one and <clears throat> leading into week one as well was a huge story. I never got asked to do so many uh, interviews on other networks than in those couple of days. And unfortunately, at least from my perspective, it sort of died down a little bit. I hope that conversation can continue. I certainly am going to try to do my part to keep that <clears throat> conversation about mental health uh, on the radar, certainly in tennis and in sports and you hope in life as well. So I hope it doesn't just get brushed under the table, which in my view is what the tennis establishment I probably sort of hopes will happen. And I think that would be a mistake. If you heard my podcast with my brother, John, you got <clears throat> some great insight into his thoughts on it because in some ways he lived through it when he was a kid coming up as a teenager. Uh, not the same exact issue, of course, that Naomi Osaka is, is talking about with uh, anxiety and depression and so on. But uh, important issues that he was affected by when, uh, you know, he became basically a worldwide celebrity because of his tennis game and that affected him and I think for many years thereafter so I hope that uh, we can continue the conversation and try to come up with ways that whether it's Osaka or whether it's a player who's not even known can get some help uh, can get some way to work with the system rather than you, you know it's my way or the highway type of thing so uh, we'll see how that uh, moves along. And again, uh, I'm actually going to be speaking with Andrea Yeager. And if those of you in the tennis world will remember her, she was a teen sensation, got to number two in the world. She's about my age, mid-50s now, I'd say. So she was a junior phenom that made it in the pros. And uh, her story is amazing. And in fact, I interviewed her months ago for the podcast. It happens that I'll be releasing that a little bit later this week on Thursday. But Andrew's agreed to talk to me just uh, about this particular issue. And uh, so that's going to happen in a couple of days. I'm looking forward to that, to sort of add that on to the podcast I've already recorded with her, because I think it's important because, I mean, she left the game partly because, you know, injury certainly played a part, but certainly the mental anguish that um, she dealt with coming up, playing on the tour as a teenager, becoming one of the top female players in the world and essentially retiring, retiring. I think she was 20 or 21. She's gone on to do incredible things in her life. So I talked to her about that, and I think you'll be interested in hearing about that. But the Federer story is uh, obviously what's been hot the last couple of days. Uh, you know, I was and, and will continue to be a bit critical of Roger for – pulling out of the tournament in the way he did. It's amazing the amount of attention that's gotten, you know, his pulling out uh, the negative feedback from many people towards me on social media. Oh, how could you criticize Roger and for all he's done for the game? And he would kick your butt. You know, well, well, I'm, I'm well aware of that. Okay. And there's no, there's no question about that. Um, and there's no question that Roger Federer deserves all the praise 
and adoration that he's gotten for many, many years. Uh, much of it coming from yours truly uh, in my many years with ESPN and uh, whatever else I'm doing because he deserves it because he's a great champion. And, you know, not only is he obviously one of the, in my opinion, still the greatest I've ever seen. Uh, maybe he'll be usurped by both Nadal within a week uh, if he can win another French Open. Djokovic down the road, but still watching Federer in his prime, um, he's still, to me, the most fascinating player that I've ever seen play. Now, he's also a classy guy, okay? So, you know, you're, and it's amazing how when you, you know, I put my post out a couple of days ago criticizing Roger uh, for pulling out of the tournament because I, I don't, look, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, I understand it. I get it. I still don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't like that it sounded to me right, you know, shortly after he won the match against Kepfer that it was already in his head to pull out of the tournament. And I don't believe he's injured. I believe he's fatigued. I believe his body's obviously feeling it. That's going to happen uh, whether you're 39 or whether you're 19 or 29. Obviously, you recover more quickly when you're younger. We all know that he's looking for a way to um, get himself match fit for Wimbledon. But I don't think using the French Open uh, in that way uh, is the right way to do it. He could have played another uh, clay court tournament. Uh, leading into the French Open, he could have he played one in Geneva, went out early there. He could have played another one uh, in the week before uh, to get those matches and to you know play two out of three. You know you can, you can likely complete the matches unless you do get injured. Uh, and certainly the way he looked, Federer in his first three matches was tremendous. He looked great. He's moving extremely well. He's 39, about to be 40, which is incredible in and of itself. So I think he set himself up really well physically to have a good run at Wimbledon. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he does make a big run to the semis and finals or actually wins it. Uh, will we all say, well, look, Roger was right. Well, he could still be right and, and not have done the right thing, okay, in my view. He could still go out there against Berrettini, uh, who he was due to play in the next round, and go out there and get his butt kicked in three straight sets. I mean, they, he, could, he could let that happen. I mean, he's done that before in other tournaments where he's, he hasn't been 100%, and to his credit, he's never made excuses. I mean, he played Djokovic a couple of years ago at the French, I mean, at the French, at uh, the Australian Open when he was clearly not 100%, and he went out there and just went for it. Now, that was a semifinal. That was on a hard court. Okay, so you're saying, well, it's clay court. It's a French Open. He thinks it's, you know, does he think he's not going to be able to win the tournament? Probably thought that going in. Well, you got Berrettini, who's going to be tough. You've got then uh, Djokovic, who's going to be tougher. Then if you get by that, you've got Nadal. <laughs> and then if you get by that, you're not even, you're still in the final. you got to win one more match. So clearly it was going to be a long shot for Roger to get to the semis of the final, obviously to win it. We all knew that. He knew that going in. Um, but I still think you could go out there against a Berrettini and uh, give it a shot. Now, he doesn't want to retire in the middle of the match, and we've given him a ton of credit, including myself in that Australian Open match. I sat courtside for that match, and I could see he was hobbled, and he still went for it, didn't make excuses. He was moving it maybe 50%, 60% maybe at best during that match, and he still actually almost stole the first set. Um, but that being said, I... I Again, I, I just don't like it. It smells fishy to me that um, it was almost like Roger's plan. And, I, and again, I don't know the answer for sure to that. Maybe he comes out uh, the next time he talks to the press and says, you know, whatever he says. Maybe he tweaked his knee. It doesn't. It, it, I'm assuming that if he did that, he would say that. 
Uh, but maybe, you know, he has kept other injuries close to the vest throughout his career. So it's possible uh, that he doesn't want to talk about it. But what seems more possible to me, more likely anyway, is that, um, you know, he won a really tough four-setter. He had a good win over <clears throat> Chilich, a guy he knows well, so that wasn't that surprising. He, you know, got a battle midway through that one to set all and went to a tie break, ran away with the fourth. Kepfer was feisty and gritty and, you know, made him run, made him play a lot of balls. I even said, I think, and during that third set, late in the third set, Rogers got to win this tie break because I didn't see him being able to win it in five. Uh, well, it turned out he won it in four because he did win that third set in the breaker. Um, and, you know, look, the other thing you could say is give, you, you give yourself 24 hours. You see where you're at. Obviously, the match finished late. Come back, get out, you know, get a hit in. Um, you go out on your day off and you hit for 30 minutes. You get treatment over the course of the next two days. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know he's got a whole team to help him do that. Um, so I guess I would have bought it a little bit more if that had happened, you know, if the morning of the match with Berrettini, uh, after he'd had a day off time to practice a little bit, loosen up, get the treatment, see how you're feeling, get ready for Berrettini. And you go out in the morning, you know, this has happened before. Nadal did this. Remember Indian Wells a couple of years ago, Nadal's pulled out of a lot of big matches, um, the day of, because he wasn't hundred percent. And he said, you know, I don't want to take a risk. Uh, you know, normally it's an injury. It's not because you're fatigued and, you know, but look, Roger has had a couple of surgeries. He's been off for a long time. He's 39. Again, I'm going to reiterate what I said earlier. I get it. I totally understand it, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. And that doesn't mean I have to bow down to uh, Roger. You know, God forbid you should uh, criticize, you know, Mr. Federer. I mean, you know, he, he, we can criticize Roger. That doesn't mean we, don't, we all don't still love him and appreciate what he's, do, what he's doing, what he's done. We all hope he can make a run at Wimbledon again. Uh, I, all ho I hope he'll still have me on the Labor Cup team as the assistant coach for the world, you know, along with my brother. Uh, you know, this is what happens. I mean, you put yourself out there. And, uh, you know, to me, this, you know, I've heard people say on other shows, now this is going to harm his legacy and all that. I don't, that I don't buy. That's going too far. I mean, if his legacy is his legacy. Uh, and, and the other thing I've heard people say, which I don't agree with either, is that he's afraid of playing, you know, Djokovic or Nadal. I mean, that's, to me, that's total bullshit. I mean, he's not afraid. I mean, he knows he might lose, but I don't think that means that, that, that he's not going to go out there. I just think he's saving himself. And I think he could still show the respect to the tournament, show the respect to the other players, uh, and go out there, and even if he's not at 100% or doesn't feel at 100% against Berrettini, he could still go out there. Does he, do you really think he's risking serious injury? I mean, he, this guy knows how to manage his body better than anyone likely in the history of the game. I mean, which is why he's still playing at such a high level. This episode is being brought to you by Raya Eyewear. Over the last few years, a growing concern of mine has been the long-term effects of overexposure to UV rays from my extended time on court in the sun, you know, following that little yellow ball all over the globe. Well, I was also just tired of squinting on sunny days, but my fear was always that wearing sunglasses to protect my eyes would affect the way I hit the ball. Well, last year, especially during the pandemic last summer, I came across Raya, and I'm so, so glad that I did. Raya is changing the way tennis players see the game and protect their most important performance asset, their vision. 
All of their eyewear is handcrafted in Italy and built specifically to enhance ball contrast and provide protection from those harmful UV rays. There's no question that they help me see the ball better, they relax my eyes in the sun, and they've become an essential part of my tennis experience. Check them out at RiaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. Use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. I promise you will love these sunglasses. All right, let's get into just the draws a little bit because a women's draw is just wide open. Uh, not that we were that surprised by that, but what an opportunity for Coco Goff. I mean, she was has been so impressive this clay court season. Took out Jabour. Uh, three and one. She's got Krajikova. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. What a tournament for her. She's normally a double specialist. She routed Sloane Stevens two and zero. Oh, but I just love Coco's uh, chances here. I mean, she could. Well, she's got Swiatek or Sakari in the semi, so I think she'll be the underdog against either one of those two. But she's a favorite to win this one. Get to her first semi. The clay, as I said earlier this season. Uh, in my podcast has been great for her because it slowed things down. She's playing with a little more margin, especially on the forehand. The serve has gotten a lot more consistent. And, uh, you know, she's got the foot speed. And it's also helping her, I think, put points together a lot better, you know, not just go for broke. So I not only do I think she should win this next match, and I'm not going to count her out against Swiatek, the defending champ, or Sakari. Um, I think she'll be the underdog, but uh, to make a run the way she's made it here, this is boning extremely well for her uh, and for the rest of the year. Wimbledon, she should be a factor there. U.S. Open, obviously, of course, on the hard courts. So very, very interesting. Now you get the bottom half of the draw. Raise your hand if you had Rybikina. hope I'm pronouncing her name correct. Pavluchenkova, I know I got that one. She's been around for a while. Zidansek and Bedosa who's with the 33 seed. She's a Spanish uh, player who's a, uh, really good on clay. So Danzig also is at a nice tournament. Took out Cristea, 6-1. and one. Pavlinchenkova, I, I mean, to me, I'd love, I'd love to see her get to the final because I always think she's been slightly an underachiever, really solid player off both wings. She beat Azarenka in a three-setter. She's always, to, to me, she's one of those really solid female players that I feel like she could have broken through, gotten to a final, maybe won a major, and it's never happened for her for whatever reason, maybe the pressure and the big moment. But she's a, just a great ball striker. I love her attitude out there. So, you know, I, I sort of like to see her just for, you know, because she's she's been around and she's been sort of knocking on the door. I, think, I don't think she's ever even been to a semi. I know she's been to multiple quarters in majors. So uh, women's draw wide open. But I got to say, Swiatek, uh, when she, if she's on on clay, she's, to me, almost unbeatable on the surface. Plays with unbelievable spin, uh, way more spin consistently off both wings and power than any other female player out there. Maybe Goff can match her a little bit on the forehand side. But she is an athlete, and uh, when she's on – uh, absolutely brutal to deal with on this surface. So the men, more predictable. Obviously, you've got Djokovic uh, at the top half, now taking on uh, Berrettini. Let me get to the draw here for the men as I pull it up on my Roland Garros app. Got the draws. Um, all right, I'm going to go to the men's singles here. Here we go. Djokovic, Berrettini, um, you know, Berrettini's got a shot. I mean, Musetti was unbelievable for a couple of sets and then just ran 
totally hit the wall early in the third. And by the way, if it's four love in the fifth, I didn't see the last couple games, you know, what happened in that fifth set. But I mean, please finish the match. I mean, could, could the guy stand? I mean, let the, just let the ball go past you. Musetti, an unbelievable run. You're going to be a great player. Love watching that one end and back end. Could you just let, unless you're like, like dire circumstances, just finish the match. It's already 6-1, 6-0, 4-up. I mean, let the ball just walk, go right past you, and shake hands. That's sportsmanship, okay? That's respect. And I, I didn't like that at all. Again, I didn't see it. So if something happened, like he was in, you know, physical danger or, you know, the doctors wanted to pull him off the court, okay, that's one of it. From what I hear, hear that's not what happened. Nadal was absolutely un- unbelievable today against Sinner, who I thought might sneak a set um, and, and threaten Rafa for a couple of sets. Turned out he threatened him in the opening set. Rafa comes back from a breakdown, wins at 7-5. And then I was telling a group of men at, our, at the academy today, I was giving some lessons, and a four older gentlemen playing who was brutally hot. And, and I told them, I said, look up Nadal. They were asking about the French Open, of course. I said, well, look up Nadal's um, matches at the French Open. And almost inevitably, I mean, I don't know how many it is, half of his matches, the last set he wins is like 6-0 or 6-1. I mean, how many times have you seen that happen? Because it just buries people with his physicality and the topspin. Now he's got Schwartzman next, who's beaten him a couple times. Schwartzman on clay. Uh, he'll be able to battle with Rafa a little bit longer at the French Open than... Um, than Sinner was. I mean, different kind of game, a little more spin, quicker, you know, better retriever. But it's hard to, it's hard to see him. I mean, what's he going to do? No, no free points on the serve. Can't really hit through Rafa. He's got to hit around him. Uh, he's got to out Rafa Rafa. You know, the Soderling just out hit him. Djokovic, when he, well, when he beat Nadal there, Nadal was sort of wasn't himself. So I think it'll be a good entertaining couple sets like it's been in the past with those two. But I see Rafa winning that comfortably and, I think Berrettini's got better shot than you think against Djokovic because he hits the ball big. He's got a big serve. I actually think the clay is a little better for him against Djokovic because he's not nearly as quick um, on a hard court as Joker. But I think on clay, it gives him just a little more time to set up his, his big weapons. I still think Joker's going to win it, but I think Berrettini's got a little bit more than a puncher's chance. Zverev against Davidovich Fokina, you got to love the way Zverev is taking care of business. I mean, 4 1 and 1 against Nishikori. He hasn't wasted any energy. He has been very, very solid on serve. And I just, I think he's set. Actually, no one talked about him, which in a way is probably good coming in for him. He's been sort of under the radar. Sitsipas has been more the guy we've looked to on the bottom half, and he's delivered. He's been amazing. Karina Boost, so he took him out in straights. Uh, has he lost a set since the past? I don't think so. I don't, I don't, even, I don't want to go through the draw to pause while I'm, I'm talking here. But Medvedev has surprised. I mean, with how well he's done to get to the quarters. He hasn't dropped a set um, for the last couple of matches. Of course, he had uh, – and he beat, he beat one of the Americans earlier on. But he beat Garen, who's had a pretty good clay court season, 2-1-5. and five. Now, there's a lot of history between these two. They don't like each other, Medvedev and Sitsipas. Uh, Medvedev obviously drummed them at the Australian Open in the semis when Tsitsipas was a little flat after the big win over Rafa. I'm not expecting that to happen here. I like the Greek freak over Medvedev on clay. I just think he's more versatile. He's a little bit more athletic. Um, but they, they, they don't like each other. They're not going out to dinner uh, after the match. So if that plays a part, okay. But I, I, if it comes down to just the tennis and who's better on clay, to me that Tsitsipas, and I actually think Tsitsipas is a favorite 
in the bottom half of the draw um, to get to the final. So it's going to be a heck of a week, too, at Roland Garros, set up very nicely. I still hate the fact that they've got Djokovic and Fed. I mean, not Fed. Well, yeah, he was on the same side, too, but Roth on the same side. I think that was a mistake, but nobody seems to be talking about that now that they, they went straight off the rankings. They didn't seed Roth at two or one. Keep him on separate halves of the draw. So here we are. you got the young guys. you got Zverev, Sitsipas, Medvedev in the bottom. And, you know, for those guys, they got to say to themselves, you only got to beat one. You only got to beat either Rafa or, or Novak to win this, which normally you're going to have to beat two, maybe three. Okay, so uh, they got to be chomping at the bit down there with the opportunity and hope if your Sitsipas or Zverev or Medvedev as well get to the final that Novak and, and Rafa beat each other up in the semis and uh, you got a shot going into the final. So we shall see. I like Swiatek on the women's. I think I'm kind of leaning sits a pass over Rafa in the final. Am I crazy? Yes, I may be. That's this edition of Holding Court. Remember, Andrea Yeager comes up with me on Thursday. We'll talk to her a little bit about the Osaka situation, about her journey, which has uh, been an amazing one. And I hope you listen into that one. Enjoy week two, everyone, of the French Open. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.